The following is a presentation of the Connection Church, a place where people are being set free. If you'd like to know more information about our community, you can join us online at connectionchurchnc.com. Have you ever had to do something that you just didn't really want to do? You know what I'm talking about? Anybody ever had to do things that, that they didn't want to do? Like, like our lives are full, um, think about this. Our lives are full of things that, that we don't particularly or necessarily want to do. Like as a kid, most kids hate brushing their teeth, right? And they hate taking a bath, and, and, and they hate going to school and doing chores, and they don't want to do um, any of these things. And honestly, the, the more that I think about this as I'm kind of creating this list, the more I'm starting to realize, like, kids really don't have a whole lot they like to do. Um, and, and, and as an adult, think about this. As, as, as you get older, right, we got to do taxes. You know what I'm saying? Now, unless you're a CPA or a tax person, right, um, I don't like doing taxes. I don't, I don't want to do that. I don't want to tell my kids to do all those things that I just listed. You know what I'm saying? Like, there's a lot of things that we do that we don't necessarily like to do. It's not fun. Now, um, be, be honest with me for just a second, okay? Show of hands, um, how many of you do not like your job or wish that you were doing something else? You don't like your job, wish you were doing something else. Thank you for your honesty. Man, we, there's a lot of people, and we have to do things a lot of times that, that we don't want to do. Now, uh, the last couple of weeks, we've been in this, this Jonah series, all right, and, and we've just kind of been looking at this story of Jonah and the big fish, and so what I want to do uh, really quickly is just kind of catch everybody up to speed. If you have not been here, all right, I want to I get everybody going in the right direction, so, so here we are, okay? God tells Jonah at the very beginning of this story to go to preach to the town of Nineveh. It's an evil city. He says, go tell them that they're doing wrong, that God is displeased with them, okay? And, uh, and Jonah says, you know what? Nope, I'm not going to do that, okay? I'm going to go the complete opposite direction. I'm going to go as far away from the town of Nineveh as possible, okay? I'm going to go to Tarshish, which is the furthest known city that, uh, that he could have gone to, all right? He's going to do that. And so, so he's on his way in this boat, all right, to Tarshish, and this big storm pops up. Okay, and, uh, and Jonah is in this boat on the sea, and he's trying to run from God um, from, to, to not do what, what God asked him to do to go to Nineveh, and Jonah ends up getting thrown overboard. All right, so then he thinks he's going to die, and lo and behold, a big fish comes and swallows Jonah whole, right? And, uh, and Jonah is in this fish's belly for like three days. He prays and asks God to forgive him. God forgives him. Uh, the fish spits Jonah up, right, out of his uh, belly, and here we are. All right, we're in Jonah chapter 3. If you've got your Bibles, go ahead and crack those things open. Um, it'll be on the screen as well. And so I want to jump in. This is where we find ourselves. Now, I don't know how long a time in between the, the fish spit Jonah up and, and when chapter 3 starts, but we're just going to kind of jump in, and, and it was an indeterminate amount of time. And so here we go. It says this in Jonah chapter 3. Then 
the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time. Second time, right? Round two. Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it the message that I tell you. Okay, so, so here is Jonah, okay, and, and he's finding himself in the exact same place that he found himself at the beginning of the story. Right before this whole storm and fish fiasco and all this kind of stuff starts happening, Jonah finds himself back at the beginning. It's as if God has hit the great reset button in the game. Jonah got a do-over. Jonah was able to have a mulligan, right, to kind of start over There's this huge lesson that I've learned along the years of following God, and it goes something like this. All right, if if you're a follower of Jesus, those of you who claim Jesus Christ in here today, God will not let you stay where you are. All right, he will not let you stay where, where you are. A relationship with God isn't static, which means it doesn't stand still. A relationship with God is kinetic. It's about movement. You see, your relationship with God is all about movement. It's about learning. It's about growing. It's about going deeper with him and understanding him more. Now get this. Don't get movement confused with doing. Last week, Scott did a really great job of reminding us that there are times in our life where we have to learn to just be, not to do. Jonah was stuck in the belly of a whale for three days, doing absolutely nothing but just being. And, and, And in those times is where the silence And those places are where we have to grow and where a lot of times we grow the most. So don't get movement confused with doing. God wants us to be. He wants us to grow. And he wants our relationship with him to be kinetic, which means that it's always going. You see, God loves forward momentum. God loves forward momentum, and he'll even use something that looks like backward momentum to push us forward, like a slingshot. Think about this. Okay, Jonah decides to run the complete opposite direction, which is a perceived step backward, right? And then Jonah, uh, this storm happens, and he's like, well, I guess I'm just going to have to be thrown overboard. I guess I'm going to have to die. I'm just going to, that's a step backward. I I screwed up again. I messed up again. Then this fish comes and swallows him, and he's in the fish thinking that he's going to die, and that's a step backward. What he didn't realize is that the whole time God is using that backward momentum to carry him right back to the place that he started from. God will not let you stay where you are. If you claim Jesus Christ today, he is going to push you. He is going to prod you. He is going to encourage you. And even in the times where we feel like we are going backward and backward and our life just doesn't make sense and nothing's adding up, God can use that to get us exactly where we need to be.
You see, that's the beauty of the God that we serve. Now, I don't want to say that it doesn't matter what we do. But I do want to say that no matter where you are at, and no matter what you are experiencing right now, God can use it for His eternal glory. Every single one of us has a story to tell for His glory. I love that. God can even use our payments and our consequences to draw us right back to where He wants us to be. I don't think Jonah ever imagined sitting in the belly of the fish that he was going to get out. I think he thought that he was probably going to die there. And I love how God brings Jonah right back to where he needs to be. So let's look at at, at verse 3 real quick. It says this, so Jonah, what does he do? All right, he has an opportunity. Once again, he's back at the same place. It says, so Jonah arose and he went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceedingly great city. It was three days journey in breadth. Jonah began to go into the city a day's journey, and he called out, Yet forty days, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. Now, I don't know if that's all Jonah said, but that's all that the Bible gives us. And I don't think that really sounds like a whole lot. I mean, he just said a few words. He comes into the city forty days and, and, the, and, and your world's going to be overturned. Your world's going to be upside down, people of Nineveh. Guess what? Now, it's all the Bible gives us concerning what Jonah said to these people. Maybe Jonah, I kind of picture it like, like, have you ever seen those guys that wear those sandwich boards? You know, the, like the, uh, the big boards on the front, and they flip it over, and the one on the back, and it's like it says the end is near. Right? All right, that's the way I picture Jonah, kind of like with a bullhorn and, and, a, and a, a sandwich board. Hey, guys, the end's coming. Here it comes, guys. He's walking around city, you know what I'm saying? And, and he's doing this, okay? And, and what's interesting, though, is that typically in our culture today, when those guys walk around with those sandwich boards, um, people just walk right on by, right? No, no attention. They just keep on going. The end is near, right? We've all heard it a thousand times. The world was supposed to end like in like 84 or something and then 2000 and, you know, whatever. So, so we've seen that happen before, right? But something interesting happens. <laughs> Let's look at verse 5. It says this. Jonah says just a few words. And verse 5 says, The people of Nineveh believed God. The Ninevites believed God. They called out for a fast, and they put on sackcloth, and from the greatest, from the most important to the least of them, the word reached the king of Nineveh, and he arose from his throne. He took off his robe. He covered himself with sackcloth and sat in ashes. And he issued a proclamation and published through Nineveh. It said, By the decree of the king and of his nobles, let neither man nor beast, herd nor flock, taste anything. Don't let them drink water nor eat, let, but let the man and the beast be covered with sackcloth. Let them call out mightily to God. Let everyone turn from their evil and from the violence that's in their hands. Who knows? Maybe God might turn and relent and turn from his fierce anger so that we may not perish. What an interesting reaction to just a few handful of words. But notice verse 5. 
It says, the people of Nineveh believed God. They didn't believe Jonah. They believed God. You see, we have to understand that God has a story to tell. I don't know if you know this or not or if you have realized this, but God has a story to tell, and he is inviting each and every single one of us into this story. He's inviting us to tell his story. You see, that's one of the most amazing things that I love about God is when he invites us to take part into his story, when, when he's telling this story and he invites us to take part of it. And like Jonah, when we are obedient to that call, not when we run away from it, but when God asks us to do something and we are obedient, you know what God does? God sets the table. God prepares the way. No matter what Jonah's heart condition was, because we'll find out in verse 4 next week that, that, that Jonah basically was ticked off. He wanted to see the Ninevites burn. He wanted them to, to be overthrown and to be destroyed, but that didn't matter. In this moment, Jonah was obedient to what God asked him to do, and God set the table and prepared the way. He had already been preparing the hearts of the people of Nineveh to hear this message. Now get this, it doesn't mean that Jonah's obedience was easy. He was still going to a violent, warring country that did not like the people of Israel. They would not have liked him to begin with. His obedience was not easy. He was still going to do something difficult. And so friends, we have to realize that being obedient to God is not easy. It's not always the easiest route to go. But if we're looking for him, and if we have our hearts and our minds set on God, and that we want to see him in our daily life, I promise you that he will prepare the way, and he'll show us how. All right, now, now what I'm getting ready to tell you is the Brent International Version okay? Um, it's B-I-V, okay? So, so don't take this as like God's honest scripture, okay? I'm going to go off the beaten path for just a minute, um, and, and so I want to encourage you, study your scriptures, know the word, dig in, okay? And if I'm wrong, then, then be, uh, I'm, I will welcome the criticism, all right? I'd love to sit down and, and talk to you about it, but I want to go off the beaten path for just a minute. I want to share something with you that I find extremely interesting, okay? There's this document, um, and it's called the Eponym Chronicle, Okay, and the Eponym Chronicle is a document that archaeologists have found. Okay, and basically what the, the, the and they, they consider this a historically accurate document. And what the Eponym Chronicle does is it basically tells who uh, the king of Assyria was. Okay, and Assyria was where Nineveh uh, existed, all right? The, the country of Nineveh, or the country of Assyria, uh, Nineveh was a town in Assyria. So this uh, eponym chronicle, this document tells who the king of Assyria was, what years that they reigned, okay, and some details about what was going on during that time of their reign, okay? And, and so get this. this, this blows my mind, okay? This document tells who each and every king was, 
Okay, Jonah was a prophet to Israel. Okay, not connected to Assyria. Assyria and Israel did not like each other. Okay, they had a history of fighting and bickering and not getting along and trying to take each other over and all this kind of stuff. Uh, So Jonah was a prophet of Israel, get this, during uh, the mid-700s to late 700s B.C. Okay, mid-700 to late 700s B.C. Now the king of Assyria during this time period was a guy by the name of Asher Dan III. Asherdan III was the king of Assyria when Jonah would have prophesied and when this would have happened, this story of Jonah. Okay, And the eponym chronicle tells of civil unrest. It tells about two different plagues that happens. It tells about other countries threatening to take over Nineveh. And then it tells about a solar eclipse that happens during this time period. And what's amazing is that Asher Dan III, after this solar eclipse, shortly after, he steps down off of his throne. The document talks about the king of Assyria stepping down off of his throne during this time of civil unrest and threats and plagues and famine and all this kind of stuff until his rule was later restored. Now picture this. Assyria at that time is a polytheistic nation, which means they believed in a bunch of different gods. Okay? And there's a civil war going on. There's other countries threatening to come and take them over. Two different plagues happen and a solar eclipse. So you could imagine the people of Nineveh were already going, um, guys, I think the gods might be mad at us. I don't know what's going on, but I think the gods are a little bit ticked off and I don't know what to do. And when people get unruly and unrested like that, who do they look to? The king. (laughs) The king begins to take the brunt of all of this stuff going on. And at the right time, a man from Israel comes walking out onto the scene. His skin is a different color because he's a different nationality, comes from a different area. He's wearing sackcloth because that's what typically prophets would have worn in that day. And I don't know if he told him that he came from a fish, but maybe he did. And he walks into the middle of the city And he says, in 40 days, God's going to cut all of you down. Now, I could be completely wrong about this whole thing. But I believe that God was setting the table for Jonah to come in and say a handful of words. And literally, from the king down to the smallest, every single person their world was rocked. I believe that that document is that historical document is right, and I believe that maybe Jonah even didn't even know what was going on. But that's what's amazing: is before Jonah ever got there, God had already began preparing the hearts of the people of Nineveh to receive this word. See, friends, even when we can't see it, God's moving. 
Even when we can't see what's the next step in our life, God has already been there. (laughs) God has already been working, and God has already been moving. Because you see, friends, God has a story to tell, and it involves you. It involves your life. And he's inviting each and every one of you to be a part of it. See, he wants to allow us to be a part of something amazing. And all he's doing is just asking for our willingness to seek him and to be obedient when he calls. In verse 10, check this out. It says, when God saw what they did, how they turned from their evil way, God relented of the disaster that he said he would do and he did not. Do it. Friends, our lives are designed to tell a God-sized story. Every single one of us is invited into a God-sized story. It doesn't matter what you're doing right now. It doesn't matter what job you have. It doesn't matter who your wife was or who you wish your wife or your spouse was or what your kids are doing or how much money you make or what kind of car you drive. God is inviting us into the story of him. And he wants to use our life to be a part of a radical story. Not about us, but about finding him. Just like this story of Jonah. You see, I struggle with telling you this story this morning, but I think it's going to help illustrate my point. Um, my, my wife, uh, Skye and I, we, we went through this season where we almost divorced um, because I'm an idiot, <laughs> basically, or at least that's what she told me. Um, a few years back, um, I was in ministry. I was a pastor a few years back, and, and I stepped down from the church that I was at. Um, I just had some things going on in my life that I knew that I didn't need to be a pastor. And for a while, I tried to do everything else but be a pastor. I thought about being a doctor. I shadowed a surgeon for a while. I was, uh, I worked in construction. I was a landscaper. I got hired by the police department, and my wife said no because I was going to get shot, so I turned that down. And then at one point, I thought I was going to be a musician for the rest of my life. I mean, shoot, I would just sit on the corner and beg (laughs) other than being a pastor at that point. And all the while, as I'm trying to figure out what to do, my marriage was literally falling apart. Sky and I got to this point where I could not stand her, and she could not stand me. We never talked about divorce. 
And then all of a sudden one day, that word entered the picture. Now all the while, while this was going on, I had no clue that God was working in the background. He was on the move. Even in spite of all of my stupidity and my attempts to run away, God was still working. Because see, in the middle of all that, I got a phone call from uh, a Christian school in Florida that wanted me to come and be their campus pastor. And I said no. And then two months later, they called me back and said, we would really like for you to come interview down here in Florida for this job. We think that you're the guy. And it just so happened that the same weekend that they called me, my wife and I happened to be traveling to Florida for a wedding that my wife was in. And I was like, well, okay, God. It's not church ministry, so I I guess maybe I might give it a shot. So we go down and we visit. And literally, we could feel... This tangible presence of God as soon as our car drove into this city. And we went to this school, and both of us did not want to admit it, but we knew that God wanted us to go to Florida. So I interviewed, and they they offered me the job. It was on a Monday, and I told them I needed a week to pray about it. Because that's what all spiritual people do, right? They need to take some time to pray about it. So I waited until the following Monday, an entire seven days, and on that next Monday at 5 p.m., I called him back and said, I guess I'm going to take this job. Um, and I remember as clear as it was yesterday, I'm sitting in my car, and I told him I'm going to take this job. I put the phone down, and I said, God, you better be right. Because I don't want to go there. I don't want to be obedient. I don't want to be with her. She doesn't want to be with me. And you are asking me to go 700 and some miles away by myself. I don't know anybody. I have no friends and no family. And all I have is a person that I can't stand. God, you better be right. I'm not going to lie to you. That first year was awful. I mean, literally, there was times where I just wanted to pack up and go home. But I knew that God had asked us to stay. We stuck it out. And slowly but surely, every day started getting a little bit brighter. <laughs> we went to counseling. We got some help. And God started moving just a little bit. And friends... The next three years of our time in Florida was one of the most beautiful times that I've ever had. Man, I learned how to fall back in love with my wife. She learned how to fall back in love with me. And more importantly, we fell back in love with God. 
So much so to the point that we would say, God, whatever you call us to do, we're there. (laughs) I know it's not easy, but we'll do it. Friends, our lives are full of choices. And a lot of them we may not like. (laughs) But if we can just understand that this thing is not about us. It's not about me and it's not about you. This is a divine story that God is writing. And it's about Him. And when I began to realize that my marriage wasn't about my happiness, but it was about my holiness, it was about me getting closer to God and helping my wife draw closer to God, man, God began to radically wreck us. And all it took was that one step of obedience that at that time looked like it was the hardest decision that I've ever made. Man, I'm so grateful that God gave me the the strength in Jesus to say, yes, I'll move and I'll do it. If you would, just bow your heads and close your eyes. I want to encourage you this morning. (laughs) You see, we serve a loving and compassionate God. And I know that because... All of his justice and righteousness was fulfilled in Jesus on the cross. 100% of God's justice and judgment fell on Jesus at the cross. And because of that, we have 100% of his grace and his mercy at our fingertips. And friends, God's calling each and every one of us into his story. And not just about you being in his story, but you helping others repent and find God. Friends, we have an amazing story to tell. (laughs) We have a story of freedom No matter where you're at or what you're doing in your life, you can experience that freedom. So, um, you might be in a season right now where you're faced with a really tough decision. And I don't know what that is. Maybe it's, relate, it's job-related or marriage-related or, or just life in general or, or whatever. Man, maybe God's asking you to say yes to Him for the first time. Whatever it is, let me promise you, obedience is always the right answer. Obedience will always put you directly into God's will. It may not be easy, but it's worth it. And I want to tell you, friends, God has already been there waiting on you with arms wide open.